podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. He is Josh Landy. And our special guest today is Jim Eastlower, as he's known on the Twitter. And um, Jim's bio, biog biography on, on Twitter says, in quotes, luxury blogger, mercurial and unreliable, but you do deliver the goods when you can be asked. So that's a quote from Tim Stillman, the estimable Tim Stillman. And in fact, um, you haven't, you, t- you, you wrote last week. Yeah. Um, about our fabulous victory over Aston Villa, but you haven't yet committed to writing about this week's game. I know. Well, we're saving the gold for here, aren't right. we? Well, Boy. I was about to say. Obviously, you're holding back because you want to keep that exclusive analysis for this very podcast. Well, that's exactly right. You, you nailed it. Good. I love the use of the word mercurial. I f- immediately think of Dennis Burkamp when I mm. hear that word. Yeah, I think it was often used about him. Was yeah. that the Talking- idea there, Jim? It was almost retired, that word, after he left, wasn't it? Yeah. Talking of Dennis Bergkamp, guess what I've just finished watching? I don't know. Either of you. Tell us, boys. Is it the Arsene Wenger film? Have you seen the preview? Yes, it is the Arsene Wenger oh, film. Oh, I'm so jealous. Are we still getting invited to the press launch, board? You haven't, you haven't been in touch. Um, I'm getting worried you haven't sorted it. I am going to the premiere next Tuesday. Boyd, if I'm not there with you, this is the penultimate podcast that we're ever going to do together. <laughs> but it's a double Wenger, it's a double Wenger week next week because Monday is the audience with. But you're coming yeah, that, that we are going. That yeah. we are going. That we are going. All right, rub it in, man. Sorry, sorry, Jim. <laughs> Tickets might still be available. I've no idea. I doubt it, but they might be in the Palladium if you can make it to the Palladium. Right, where's this premiere? Where are we getting? This premiere is at the Finsbury Park um, Cinema, somewhere in Cinema in Pennsylvania, which I've never been to. I have to say. Uh, appropriately enough, obviously, must be the closest cinema to to the ground, barring the Holloway Odeon. Maybe it's maybe it's um, still time to get you in, but we'll see. But I haven't been offered right. a plus one, put it that way. I think. I think All right, I'll get. To, I'll find a way. Get on Don't it, worry, get on it. You'll find a way with you with your contacts, Josh. Yeah, you will find a way. But Dennis is in it, as is the as are the likes of Ian Wright, um, Patrick Vieira, extensively. I would say Paddy are probably the most featured ex-player. Um, player of Wenger's era. So Alec Ferguson is, I mean, you've probably seen the clips or the trailer, but Alex Ferguson's contributions are really fascinating, actually. I think that's probably the biggest, I would say the biggest kind of, not scoop, but the biggest area of interest is to see Ferguson. I'm not allowed to review it, by the way, so I can't say whether I think it's good or not because it's heavily, it's embargoed until, yes, Josh's pulling a face, it's embargoed. All comment is embargoed until next Monday. Um, But I can say that, I mean, I can say that, I can't say it's good or bad, but I can say that it features those people it does absolutely deal with. I think we mentioned before when it was announced. You know, is it going to? Is it? It's not like his autobiography. It is. It does. You know, talk about the lows as well as the highs. If you put it that way. Oh, um, brilliant! I'm yeah. feeling in your voice. Not that you can tell us. <laughs> yeah. But I'm feeling there's a positivity um, yeah. to it, and I'm really looking forward to it. So I couldn't possibly um, yeah. comment. But I think I'm allowed to say that I did. That it is. It is I think. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I was going to ask: Is it better than the autobiography? So, so I mean. Not- 
without wanting to say it's better than the autobiography, it doesn't do what the autobiography did in any way, shape or form. Um, yeah. And they had clearly been filming with him for, I mean, there's loads of amazing footage of his last day at the state, at, at the Emirates, you know, with all the, the banners and everything, which feels like it was filmed especially for this. So I don't know whether they've, you know, they had permission from way back then. But but I'd be interested. To, they're doing a Q and A after the, at the premiere. The, the filmmakers, so I'd be interested to know what they say about that, how they made it, etc. But yeah, um, very exciting times for for Arsene Wenger. <laughs> yeah, so Monday he's doing. This is the Monday is the delayed an audience with with him and David Dean. I think Ian Wright is kind of co-introducing it. Derm O'Leary, I think, is doing the Q and A. So that's a big night as well. Um, yeah, I'm yeah. very excited. Very excited for that. TV's Dermot O'Leary, friend of Boyd Hilton. Yeah, asking yeah. Arsene Wenger questions. There's nothing, nothing greater. I'm looking for this time next week. I assume Boyd. What time is it next? Yeah, week? exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, maybe we'll do a live podcast outside the Palladium. Um, that's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. And, and come next Monday, you'll be able to tell us what you really think about the right. film. So it's exactly. exactly, double excitement. Double to, excitement. Uh, anyway, anyway, to. enough of this frippery about Arsene Wenger. Enough talk about the past. Let's talk about the present, Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Tottenham. I read you. Yeah, Tottenham. I mean, that's happening Tottenham. now, isn't it? As we speak, as we speak, we should, I guess, address this fact. Um, it looks like they're going to get Conte on an 18-month contract. They're paying 15 million a year, I think, apparently, according to sources. Um, how do we feel about that? I mean, it can only be worse news than obviously keeping Nuno on until he was going to send them down, down or whatever. But are we that bothered? Are you bothered, Jim, about that? Uh, well, I'm always bothered because I was enjoying, I was enjoying them um, ringing, ringing their, ringing their hands. Um, I mean, he's he's obviously he did very very well at Chelsea. He's a very experienced manager. I think I can see why they've gone for him, and um, you know you kind of wonder whether that they sacked Nuno because they knew that it could have happened. So there's potentially you know that it, maybe that's why it happened a bit quicker than it might otherwise have done. But yeah, I mean, uh, I still there's an awful lot of work to do there. But uh, I, I mean, it will obviously make them better than they are, and that's not a good thing for us. It's interesting, isn't it? The, the, the Tottenham are only um, two points behind us. I mean, and they've sat their manager. They're eighth in the league. I mean, he has been, he has had a pretty, I mean, his his style of football, I use the word advisedly, has been grim, worse even than Arteta, you know, in, in the kind of up until recent times. Well, they've had, they hadn't had a shot on goal for two hours, 19 minutes. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I, had, I saw that as well. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and that, I mean, I watched that game, um, was it yesterday? <laughs> it seems like it seems like a lifetime ago. It was unbelievably tedious, and they were fucking terrible. Um, Saturday, boys, so Saturday. you're losing track. You. I am you're losing You're too track. preoccupied with Dennis Burkham's contribution in what was a tremendous yeah. film. Yeah, it was a Halloween horror. Put it that way. That that, um, fuck, that Spurs performance. But I mean, I guess I'm slightly concerned that uh, you know, in the, it could mean the different. You know, it could. I think we're battling, aren't we? Realistically, between them. West Ham, I mean, who are just doing incredibly well. Man United um, for, you know, what, fourth, fifth, sixth place, I guess. Um, so if it meant, you know, if Conte turns it around to the extent that, you know, they go fifth, they are a fifth or whatever, and we plummet to sixth or seventh, then that is going to have an effect on us. We have to be, we have to be aware of that, don't we, Josh? 
Yeah, I, I think it's widely been accepted that this might be good news uh, for Spurs once things get settled. You have to feel that sacking a manager after 10 games, they, they have a plan and the Conte stuff has come out so quickly. And to be honest, it's, it's every possibility by the time this podcast is out that it's all it's all done and dusted. Um, he comes with a, an incredibly impressive uh, background and, you know, you, you have to think it will work. However... You know, we've seen that Mourinho there ultimately, and Mourinho had them what top of the table in December. Never mind top after three games, like and that couldn't have fallen apart more drastically. So, you know, there is precedent for very capable, talented managers going in there, and it and it's still not working uh, at Spurs. So we shouldn't lose uh, too much uh, sleep quite yet. But it's probably good news. I don't know about you. I'm sure we've all got Spurs supporting friends. They all seem delighted. I, well, you I would be wouldn't to you? find you, anyone upset yeah. about this. I mean, you would be. It, it, you know, I think he's he's the manager that he's the one that all all, all supporters of teams like us and Man United. You know, I mean, Man United fans are going to be gutted because they would have hoped. I think anyone, any sensible ones, anyway, because clearly. Um, their manager isn't up to the job, and um, you just hope. And clearly, Conte is a very, very clever man. His record is incredible. But what I think interesting, what's interesting, Jim, is it for me? It throws into sharp contrast the state of the two clubs because I feel like Spurs are making short-term decisions on a constant basis at the moment in terms of not only who they buy but how they play and the managers, of course, completely. They've had what six managers in 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 you know in however many years, and none of them won anything. Um, whereas Arsenal are at least seem to have a dare I use the word a project or a plan in which we bring in young. I mean, you know, as if we, as we all know, we've got the youngest squad in the league. We we purchased the right young players in the specific positions we needed. We needed. We've got a young manager who is at the moment doing really well. You know, we'll get on to what we think of that. But do you know what I mean? I think you could, you know, obviously the, the whole the whole structure of the club has faced a lot of criticism and Edu is inexperienced as well. But then you look at where we are now in comparison to Tottenham. I know we're only two points ahead, but everything about the club right now, as we speak, feels better than them. Do you know what I mean? And, and so, and is the way we're doing it intrinsically better than what they're doing? Well, I think one, I mean, I, I think one of the traps we all fall down and, and all football fans for that matter is that you, you kind of look you kind of you know you judge it on that moment and then uh, because we yeah, a bit like earlier in the season when we lost the first three games people were calling for Arteta's head and now they're you know a bit more measured and you do have to st- take a step back and look at it um you know a bit more I hesitate to use the word holistically but I'm going to a bit more holistically and and you kind of do begin to see the the um you know the the kind of the progress that is going to be a bit jaggedy at times a bit up and a bit down and I think that's the nature of it but I I don't. I don't think you can you can fault the the strategy of buying young players. And actually, I can't really think of many precedents where you buy six players and all of them have turned out to be good. Um, and okay, maybe it's too soon to judge. But so far, you know, from what we've seen of them, they all look really good players. All have fitted in incredibly well, and not just you know, individually, but as as a unit. So I think it's been um, has really really helped. Um, you know, Arteta, he, he deserves credit for that, and, and so does the club, obviously. So um, it does feel like there's a bit more of a plan at the moment. But, but um, and, and yeah, like you say, with Spurs, they've got a mixture of recruitment, but that's because they keep sacking their managers. And so they've got every every era brings in their own new players, and what you end up with is like a hodgepodge of uh, 
of a load of different players from loads of different managers. And, and that's, I suppose, one of the arguments for sticking with the manager that little bit longer. But yeah, so far yeah. I'm, you know, I'm pleased with the way it's going. Uh, I'm always hesitant to kind of massively criticise when we have a blip because that's the nature of it, of a project like this. And, um, and I think there'll be plenty more blips, but certainly the progress is looking pretty solid at the moment. Yeah, you, you're very sensible. I, I um, you know, I did not so long ago. Yes, Josh is <laughs> Josh is nodding his head <laughs> smugly. I did, you know, I thought I thought Vega was not Vega. I thought Arteta was showing uh, that he wasn't up to the job, you know, not so long ago, and said so on this very podcast, and even tweeted as much. And in fact, funnily enough. Um, after the game, when I when I tweeted, you know, slightly sarcastically about the project and talking about how well we played, uh, Rose, um, Tom Rosenthal, who, who's renamed his tweets Tommy Yasu Rosenthal, yeah. Tom Rosenthal, the legendary comedian, actor, occasional guest on this podcast, um, reminded me of that I tweeted on the 30th of August, RIP Mikel's man management skills, Arteta out. Yeah. Um, and he's right to remind me of that. I and I still fine. think, I mean, I still think Arteta is a flawed, you know, I mean, he, who isn't a flawed person, you know, at their job when they've just done, they're doing their first major job and they're pretty young compared to everyone else, all their rivals. So I'm still not hundred percent sure. I'm still not sure whether he's the right man for the job. I wonder even whether, you know, in, in, you know, I don't know, in a year's time, we won't go, well, the, per- the, the, the acquisitions we've made are brilliant. We're doing pretty well. We've changed the, the shape of the club. But all we need now is a world-class manager to push us on to the next And level. you might be right. You might well be right. And, and that's, you know, he is learning on the job, has made some big mistakes, but has started to do stuff really well. You, you could be right. But the, the bottom line is, I, I think judging every third game is, is which is kind of what we, we sometimes do, and I'm as guilty about it as the next person. That is is um, it's the wrong thing to do, and uh, uh, you know, I think I think um, I think at the moment, the last, again in the last three four games, he says judging, um, but taken as a whole, I think I think there seems to be signs of a of a, of, of progress and on, of a solid plan, and um, I, I agree with you. He's got still got a lot to prove, but if he shows if he shows willing to learn on the job and and uh, which he seems to then then you know then it's then it can only be a positive thing surely yeah well well, Boyd I congratulate you on the humility you've shown in (laughs) acknowledging uh what you said just uh two months ago uh on this podcast and I I remember our podcast after the five nil hammering at Man City and you know I, I went to that and I was you know in lucky to be there on Saturday which was really enjoyable and it felt that we were, you know, at a really low ebb after what what happened at Man City. You could understand it because the performance and ease with which we were, you know, demolished was there. But then it just felt we just needed a bit of break, you know, a, a, a transfer window to to come to the end. A couple of signings, obviously, that that got made. And since then, not that many teams will go seven unbeaten in the Premier League this season. It doesn't 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 matter who who you are. Of course, we're, you know Liverpool and Chelsea and, and City are strong, but we've seen on Saturday, um, you know, even Man City at home to Palace. You know what what I think is, is going to happen more and more this this season. I think it will be a lower points total than the last couple of years to to win the league, uh, and possibly a lower points total than others might think for fourth, which I think, you know, is, we are in that race and we, we have to be in, in contention um, for that and how our ambitions have, have changed hugely in the last couple of months. So, 
Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, we can't get carried away. Mm. But Saturday, I've got to say, I, I went up with Alex Brooker and uh, and Tim Payton, and we had a had a brilliant time. And the fan base is united in a way that I haven't experienced on an away day in in so long. I mean, it doesn't feel that long ago, the end of the the Wenger reign, uh, and then even under Emery, there was you know discontent, I guess you know. And for the first time, I've been at away game, and there was unity. Now, I don't want to bring it up to take us on a different tangent. But what I found upsetting on Saturday is there's always got to be a target figure. Now, sometimes that's the Tottenham Hotspur's manager's mother who Arsenal fans have sung song about, or it's the, our manager, the hate figure. At the moment, the hate figure in that away fan base is oh, AFTV. I know. I know yeah. And yeah. the songs that are being sung. It's ridiculous. By, and I'm not talking like a couple of people. I'm talking... It felt like I was discussing, you know, with those around me, maybe a third-ish of that away fan base singing anti-AFTV songs during the game in the concourse saying pretty despicable things about about Robbie and, you know, I think some of the other people on it. Like, I get the negativity around the channel, um, but to sort of have that as like part of the away song now, it, it, it was really upsetting and I don't really know how we solve it because the numbers doing it seem huge. And even after the game, you got people gathering around Arsenal fan TV at the end of the game while they're outside the stadium singing, uh, you know, well, just throwing abuse at them. Really? It, it, I, I, I didn't realize first time I've been in the away end, like this season, obviously since COVID and it is a strong, strong feeling of, of of sort of hate and negativity towards them. But I think that comes across online in a way now as well, doesn't it, Boyd? I mean, on Jim, yeah. on your Arsenal timelines as well. Yeah, it's... Go on, go on, Tim. Uh, well, just just that, um, yeah, I, I think I think you hear it a bit in, in, at, the, at home as well, occasionally in the concourse. Um, and I think, you know, everyone knows that they, that, that they do sort of thrive on controversy and what have you. But really, it, you know, Supporting a football team should be a broad church, and and I don't think there's any room for real, you know, mass abuse like that. But um, but at the same time, you know, you, they they the the kind of the the controversy does come back and bite them sometimes, and and that's the reality of it. But yeah, you're right. It seems to be a bit of a hate figure, doesn't it? I mean, I think I think I don't. I think football fans, you know, and not the majority, but vast swathes of football fans are just. You know, I mean, Tottenham fans booed Harry Kane in the weekend, which is, which of course is very entertaining for us. But you have to think for a minute, really, is that you know that that I, I, it's just nonsensical and idiotic and moronic, and I don't know what else we can say about it. But there, there'll always be a, an element of football fans who who chant the most inane bullshit, basically. And yeah, look, I'm, I'm not saying these people don't have a right to, you know, be anti the the channel. If any if anyone listening to this podcast was part of those who sort of sing during the game against them. I just, just be intrigued to, to what they expect to happen. Like, do they think they don't have a right to come to the game? Like they're Arsenal fans. I mean, you when you go into the toilets, like at Leicester, it would have been obviously pre preempted. Uh, all these stickers they've got of like anti AFTV, which are now like plastered all over, like, you know, the away end, as soon as you've arrived, you, you've got like cartoon figures of all of them with like, get out of our club and all these messages. Like, 
I don't, are they hoping to just intimidate them enough that they feel they can't come? I mean, that's a sad state of affairs. I think they. Um, I think there's there's a general feeling that I mean it's the same kind of people that deride, I don't know, influencers, you know, and and YouTubers, and I think there's a whole kind of. I think you're either a person who likes that kind of thing, as in AFTV and what it represents, yeah, or you're or, or you think, you know, that they're. What are you? Oh, I'm, I'm no, in the I middle. Mean, I, I, I don't I, go on it when I say yeah, I, I, I'm in the middle as well. When, but I'm certainly fully in favour of their right to do what the fuck they want. You know, yeah. no one, no one's forced to watch it. But what, I'm, what I mean is that I find the people who are obsessively hate, hateful of influencers yeah. equally, yeah. it's equally pointless. I'm like, I don't watch any of it. I haven't watched yeah. AFTV to be honest. Have you not? Uh, no, not. Did it not I just come up on your timeline no, without God, no. meaning to? No, really? No, I have a very clean timeline of Arsenal. Jim, fans. I, I don't. I, I I don't watch it, but I I, I know that um, that my kids occasionally watch it, and they, you know, and they're real. You know, they're real sort of. Um, um, but yeah, you know, but but like like yeah, you know, like I say to them is that you know, it can be entertaining if that's what you want, but at the same time, it's not. It's not. Uh, there is a there is an element of theatre to it, like there is to a lot of things, and. Uh, um, but look, I'm a bit. I actually don't see a lot of it on my timeline either. And, and but maybe it's because I'm a, a certain age. I think maybe. A, yeah. So yeah. what I do see, what I do see on my timeline, Josh. Actually, funnily enough, I do see um, what I would call old school, self-consciously old school Arsenal fans. And we all know, and you know who who I do follow and who follow me me, who are furious, have been furious about AFTV for years. And they're the same fans who are furious about any slight change or modernization of their beloved club, of our beloved club. And, you know, they're the first ones to complain furiously if they think a a shirt design isn't quite right for us or, you know, whatever change. They're just anti-change. And I feel that is, and they feel like they are the heart and soul of the club. The real people have been there, you know, since the 70s. I mean, half of them probably are, aren't even old enough to be there in their 70s, unlike me, let me say. Um, and I just think it's that attitude, you know, of we're old school, we're against all of this stuff, is, is you know, kind of the, 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 the extent of the reasoning behind it. And I see them on my timeline. I'm for, you know, maybe it's time I blocked, you know, or, or, or what was the word, muted those people because half the stuff they say is like, oh, shit, anyway. The whole idea, you know, about foreign fans coming to... All, all the stuff, you know, that's spoken mm. about. Um, I think it's ridiculous, yeah. Whereas the likes of AST, you know, Arsenal just trust that, of course, they, they don't bother. They don't bother getting irate about Arsenal fan TV, do they? I mean, who gives a fucking shit? It's, it's, it's yeah. the, the other thing, I mean, I'll, I'll move it on, and I, I know we'll no, it's a good take point. a break and, and talk about the game. Okay. The other thing I noticed just generally about our away fan base and I know you like a occasional away day Boyd and you, you'll get in your you know chauffeur driven car and some red wine and go up the M- M1 or M6 or wherever those are the you conditions go. yeah yeah you, you don't go and, and we're not talking any red wine with a certain level of red wine that you won't get in the car without knowing that it's there but what I would say the, the away fan base has got younger for sure. And I think part of it is, is this a, a waste scheme um, no longer really going to be in, in operation? And the amount of credits you need to go to games is, is going down, which gives you a younger crowd. And I think that's probably going to play into a, a noisier away fan base. And it felt like it. It was just, I felt, I mean, I'm what, 34. I felt old, like in the away end. I never really felt like that before, but there was a real difference. 
people have been saying that about the home crowd as well. I've seen yeah. that. On, and and um, uh, and actually, I mean, I totally agree. It can only be a good thing because, you know, I think for years, because because it's hard to get tickets and they're expensive and all this kind of thing, I think the company and, you know, the, the crowd, the fans sort of slightly aged with the team. And, or, 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 and, and you know, everyone complaining about Arsenal not being very noisy. And, and I think it's because the well, we, we were all getting a bit older. But I, I totally... I totally agree. You know, you know, it's much more exciting to have a uh, new blood coming in and, and making a bit more noise and stuff. Yeah, sure. there are there are enthusiastic, loud youngsters even in club level. I have to say, <laughs> I noticed it's it's, it's, I, it's youngsters in club level. You mean people in their early forties? I assume, yeah. boys. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Just uh, clarify. Early to mid to late forties. Do you think it's because people have have given up? Quite a lot of people have given up season tickets. Do you think? That's, yeah. Right. I do, and I and I think also think. Um, People gave up season tickets who just got frustrated with not having any games to go to. And I also think someone put, someone did a, it wasn't you, was it, Jim? Someone did a tweet, a, a, you know, a kind of um, multiple choice tweet saying, why is the atmosphere so much better? Was that you? No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. It. Yeah. it was someone. Someone did a tweet saying, why is the atmosphere so much better at Arsenal Games at the moment? Is it because ABC? Well, I think for me, the, the answer, the main answer is, well, because we were starved for 18 months of the chance to go to live football. And I feel like now everyone's really into it, like has reminded themselves of how brilliant it can be. And yeah. I, feel like, I feel like everyone's in it together and very excited just to be back and yeah. experiencing that joy again. Yeah, I, I, I felt it as, as, as an away fan, like look, people are looking forward to the trips way more than, than maybe felt um, in the past. And just the, the enjoyment of feeling like you're one of the people that have made the journey to support Did the you, club. And you're gone. Did you go out in Leicester uh, on Halloween night? No, your face. No, you came straight did back. Did I go up to Leicester the night before for a night no, out no, no, just I to mean, go to a lunchtime game? Did you go out? No. Did you go out the, in the evening? You came straight back, did you? And Alex and uh, I imagine Alex um, wanted to go for a night Alex, out in Leicester. Alex town. headed. Alex headed up north, ah, I think, to see friends in Leicester. So we went up together from, from North right. London and then he headed on. So I think he, you, you are right to possibly put him in the box for those that would be happy to have a, a night out after. Um, so he, so he did, but no, I, I didn't stay around. I, I came back and, uh, you know, made sure that I was, you know, home, home for, for, <laughs> for, for bed and bath time here, which is a, you know, imp- important part of the, uh, important part of the routine. So we yeah, should discuss it, the match, shouldn't we? Well, yeah, we should probably take a break and discuss, Let's the, take match, a break yeah. and discuss the match. We'll be back after spring. <laughs> If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. And we're back. 
from the break. We should discuss the match. My first observation about the match is that um, uh, Mikel Arteta Kili listening to this podcast because I said um, uh, I may have spoke nonsense about him generally and his skills, his man management skills, as t- Tom Rosenthal pointed out. But I did say that we had to stay unchanged after that Aston Villa triumph, and he did pick the same team, um, Jim, which had which I thought and it, and it worked, didn't it? I mean, I thought it was just it was just Common sense, but sometimes you know, more managers don't aren't, don't use as much common sense as we used to, and they, they like to make flashy decisions. He just did the straightforward, obvious thing. We played brilliantly last week. He's picked the same team, and I think I, I think absolutely. I think he's close to getting the kind of eleven that he wants now, which I think he hadn't been before. And you know, a lot of the chopping and changing over the last two years has been because of that. Um, but yeah, you 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 get to the point now where I think. Um, that you there's you know you're pretty much there on the first eleven, and he's been lucky also that we haven't had too many injuries. So um, it made a lot of sense because I think adding Lacazette to the team is um, has added a whole different dimension, um, and also um, which other players are you going to drop? So people like you know, Saka, he's out, he's out, uh, he's a sub now, but not Saka, sorry, um, Pepe, he's out as a sub now, but because, but on merit because um, you, you're really you know, why would you drop these guys if if they're if they're performing in the way they're performing? You know, if you, that formula, he's been so elusive for Arteta for one reason or another um, uh, that when you find it, you stick with it, don't you? Absolutely, and I think what's interesting, Josh, is that what I've noticed is we start, we've been starting games. Um, not just these last two really, really good performances, two of the best performances, but even even previous games where we might have drawn, you know, Nick Brighton, we do start games generally really well. Like the first, we're right on it, right from the beginning, and we usually create one or two chances within the first five minutes. And it just so happened that this time we create one or two chances in the first 10, 15 minutes, and we scored twice, and which then kind of set the whole set the whole tone of the game. But, it, but I, I think the energy, he's managed to get them all hasn't he kind of working in this in, in the same way with the same kind of energized just feel just feel much more athletic and pacey and energized than we had than we did well certainly this time last year i mean the comparison is just ludicrous 100 percent. i mean not only did we score a couple of goals we had a couple of other um efforts on goal in that opening 20 25 minutes um of the game it's unrecognizable from you know parts of parts of you know, Arteta's reign as Arsenal manager and it's a fairly settled team and, and that has been slightly forced upon him, I guess, with Xhaka's, um, you know, not not being an option at the moment. I think Lacazette has played himself back into a position where he had to continue with him and that stemmed really going back a few games, I think, to when he came on came on against Brighton and, and was effective and then, you know, has been given opportunities Um in every in every game since, and obviously starting the last two as well. Jim alluded to it earlier in terms of the new players coming in. I mean, you 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 sit there in the stands and you look at the back five. We'll come on to Ramsdale save, but in Tomiyasu, in Ben White, in Tavares, um, you've you've changed four of the back five. You know, it's only Gabriel that's there, and one of the guys in front of them, Lukonga, is also um, changed. And by the end of the game, you've got Odegaard on as well. It's, it is incredible to have that kind of turnover of players, and it makes sense that it's taken a little bit of this season um, to get into it. And they're gelling as a team. And the only final point I'd make on the fan base and talking about that side of things from Saturday. And I think one of the lads in the athletic, maybe it was Gunnar Blog, uh, James, was talking about 
what a likable team this is starting to become. And Ramsdale, you know, potentially being a bit of a cult hero figure and, you know, even joining in with the Leicester fans singing your shit. Uh, Tommy Yasu, you know, I think is, you know, 101 cult hero potential. Saka and Smith Rowe have got their song and are loved. Um, so suddenly there's, there's loads of positivity to the team and the energy is there and they've, they've been starting games so well and we're taking chances and, don't get me wrong, there were moments in that second half where I definitely thought if Leicester get one, we're in trouble here. But uh, they and showed a bit of resilience the one, to, the one to, name to, you, to keep it clean. The one name you didn't mention is Tavares, Jim. I mean, what a revelation. He's, I know he's only played a couple of games. but still, yeah. I mean, we were worried. I remember the big the big concern in, in the transfer window period was what do we do about backup for Tierney? Because how do you find a player? Do you yeah. go for an experienced player? When he's going to be out, do you? What do you? And and they've just they've just solved that. I mean, I know it's literally just a couple of games, but you know he's not. He's he's clearly capable of being of of a make, making those buccaneering runs that Tony makes. But he's also capable of defending, seemingly. Yeah, and that's well, why the targeting the targeting of all six of the players has been so so clever actually. Because you, you know what do you go for? You Tony's clearly the number one. What do you go for? A sort of aging an aging left back who, who's a sort of comfortable backup or do you go for someone who's young and hungry and wants to push and, that, and that they've gone for the latter makes much more sense. And so, um, uh, you know, he's again, like they all are incredibly young, but he's been so dynamic and energetic. It's been brilliant. Um, so much so that you almost, you know, if Tierney's, um, you know, however long he's out, you kind of think it doesn't really matter at the moment, the way he's playing. I mean, I know he's still young. He's going to make some mistakes, but that's quite that's quite an achievement within, you know, for a player that's only played two or three matches for us to to kind of uh, be able to you know, that you can be able to say that. But so so you know Tierney should should uh, be feeling a bit of pressure behind him, and that's the way it should be. Uh, yeah, exactly, and, and I think that likability thing that you mentioned is so key, isn't it? Because even if they, you know, even if they have remember, you know, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I think it was Alan Smith who said it on Sky. He said, you know a team this young, you're going to have games where they effectively don't perform as well as they should or don't let you down. But the, problem, the thing about our youngsters is, unlike the oldsters, is when they make a mistake or don't play well, you know, like Ramsdale made the odd ricket of a, of a pass in the second half particularly. But you totally forgive him because he's trying to do stuff that is adventurous and positive and I feel that way about all of the all of the youngsters. Whereas the oldsters, you know, those that, this time last year, the misery I had to endure from the experienced players um, was just you just felt that they just didn't they, they just couldn't rustle up the energy to to, to 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 do much at all. And now we've got pressing or Bamiang's pressing from the front and Lacazette's just behind him. And we play, it's, it's just a, the transformation. I have to. I, I did not see this transformation coming. I have to say. I think what I've saw coming just about would be that Arteta could kind of keep us playing fairly mediocre football with the occasional kind of good, really good result like we had in the cup games last last see, last season. And but this kind of consistency again it's only you know haven't but but this consistency of going unbeaten is, is 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 really impressive but the way we're playing right now i think is is fantastic well yeah yeah sorry it's like if the actual, but the palace game at home was poor and actually yeah. all the things that all the things that we were talking about yeah. the kind of pressing and the concentration and and the chance creation wasn't really there and then suddenly you know the, the the switch was flipped for the Villa game, and then it's gone on to the Leicester game. So I think we should expect it won't be 
um, perfect every time. And, you know, uh, but it, as long as you get more and more consistent as you go, then then that's fine. But um, there are there are still some quite stark sort of um, performances that are going on. So, you know, at the moment it's looking great. But like you say, um, yeah. If you go back to your point about last year, I totally agree with you. The players, you couldn't get off the. We ended up paying these guys to go on fast wages. Yeah. And 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 you know you would only do that if it was the most imperative thing. You you actually had to get them out of the club. Because, because you know, to, just to change the atmosphere and to change the yeah. environment, you wouldn't. Yeah, you know, the amount of money that they wasted to do that, and so yeah, think about right, it's a very good point. Point. It's a very good point. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, think about the Ozil period. I mean, fucking hell, that just seems now so ridiculous and how how long that went on for. And I'm sorry, but what a waste of energy and money and mental strength and everything. You know, it was wasted mm. on that whole thing. And, and there were, as you say, a number of old players who just stinking up the place with their attitude and their everything. And that, 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 that is a real achievement. You know, that is that, that I think we can safely say, we may not know, you know, we may not know that we're going to keep this level of consistency up. There may still be horrendous performances in there now, in our near, not so in near future, but I do think the, um, the revolution of the team, as you say, the purchases we made and the way they got rid of the dead wood, the really not, you know, the, the kind of the offensive wood, if you like, um, has that, that has been a triumph. I do. I think we have to credit the, 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 the team, the, um, the project, don't we, Josh? Yeah. Yeah. We've got to give uh, a huge credit. And, and also there are less players, you know, just just not contributing anything to to the club at the moment. There's there's a fair amount on loan um, who aren't involved. But if you actually look at the sort of what what you'd call a first team squad, um, you know, Callum Chambers, you know, Pablo Mari, you know, Bat Balogun, you know, probably the ones that you know are just you know not even making the bench with any sort of semi uh, reg- regularity at all. But you know, all all the sort of midfielders in, in what Party Saka, Odegaard, Smith Rowe, even Maitland Niles, we, we've seen obviously Lokonga, we've seen El Nenny this season, Xhaka. Uh, I guess you put Martinelli and, and Pepe into there. You know, they've all had involvement, in, you know, across um, the game so far and the, Le- the League Cup as well, which we should come on to. And we've been given the absolute dream draw, um, even if Sunderland's manager Johnson has been disrespectful um, in in wanting to sort of get rid of, um, in sort of calling out Arsenal as perhaps one of the easier teams um, to face. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm hugely enthused having particularly sort of seen um, the United sort of feeling amongst the fan base, even going with the uh, AFTV stuff that I, that I mentioned earlier. And uh, yeah, Boyd, I, I don't know. I, I don't, what are you, what are you thinking now as expectations for the season? Because I remember sitting on the podcast, trying to talk to Trevor Harris, who is a, a man of huge experience in the betting world. And I was making a case that Arsenal to be in the top 10, was a good yeah, bet think, at like one point six, and he was like, "I'm not having it. I wouldn't take it. Give it, give me the bet." And I oh. was like, "This is madness." So, so what what are, what are your expectations turned to? But suddenly we are we've got real different aspirations to what we did six weeks ago. Um, I still think it's about being sixth. I still think you know. I think fifth, sixth is what we're looking. I think it would be fairly astonishing for us to finish in the top four because you have to think that. 
I mean, Man United, if they if they go on any much of much more of a worse run, I know they 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 beat the worst team in in the league, Tottenham, on the other day. But you know, they might get rid of their manager as well, which would which would boost them, I think. Um, so, I think that I think the fourth, I think that I think the fourth, fifth, sixth places are up for grabs, though. I really do. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, so those that do fan, I mean, we're only four four to one to be a fourth. Um, it's basically I mean, we, so so we're only behind the obvious ones: City, Chelsea, yeah. Liverpool, Man United. Yeah. Of the rest, we are viewed by the bookmakers as the next most likely. But equally, you know, two or three, two or three, two or three of our players get injured. I mean, you know, the scare of seeing you know Gabriel injured, or you know. Why? Or if any of our defence gets injured, I think apart from Tierney, you know, I I, I think you worry, particularly the central defenders. I, I I think that's a big, I think that's a big, you know, gap between the central defenders, the two we've got at the moment, that partnership that's developing, um, and the and the other options, and then, you know, I don't know, a couple of injuries, the likes of Smith throws that going. Injuries. I think our our squad is pretty. It's like I think the the main team and the three or four players subs are already good. But then once you get the lower depths of the squad, it gets pretty tricky, which is why we lost the first two games of the season, isn't it? I mean, let's face it. It was because we were playing not our, well, not our it, A team. The, the entire defense has changed. I mean, obviously we'll, we'll talk about the Watford game at the weekend, but already it's just fascinating to see how we cope at Anfield, you know, on the first game back after the international break to see, well, what, what, what is the difference between when we went to city and yeah. killed over and were, you know, absolutely outclassed to, you know, what can, the, you know, assuming we can go unbeaten against, you know, Watford, what, what an Arsenal team in, you know, good form and full of confidence and feeling like I've got nothing to lose at Anfield. I'm um, yeah, really intrigued. But, but before we finish talking about this game, we should talk about the two, like a couple of key points on that. The, the, the non sending off. Oh, I mean, that was ridiculous, wasn't it Jim? And then it was like, we saw two sendings off. Um, uh, one sending, we saw, you know, very, very similar incidents in other games. And it was preposterous that, that, and it was one of those things where I watched it live on BT sport and on BT sport, they kind of like, they always go to that, Twat of a of a of a ex referee. Who is it? And it, it kind of went. So mean about Peter Walton. Peter Walton. Is he a client of yours? Sorry. No, he, I've <laughs> no. never met the man. But I, I just well, think you know. You're, you're spite, a... Some of that is all AFTV hatred. I just oh, don't out. you don't you don't read it. Don't, don't. I mean, yeah, maybe I've gone too far. I take back twat. So that slightly pointless Peter Walton thing because he always agrees with the referee. And in this case, he's kind of like waffled on a bit about justifying why he wasn't sent off, but it was an absolutely obvious sending off. He was the last defect and last man. He had, we were doing clear on goal. It was absurd, wasn't it, Jim? I think it was, I think it was definitely a red card, but, um, and like you say, then, then you get pretty much the same incident twice in the weekend and shows you how inconsistent it is. Um, so uh, I don't know. We've been talking about this kind of thing for years, and, and that's what human error. I suppose it's human error, and then they try and justify it afterwards because uh, I don't. Know, it's the kind of uh, um, uh, referees omerta. I don't know what it is, but I'd say on ba- overall, I mean, not you know, overall. I think the kind of standard of refereeing been, especially with the VAR, seems to have been better implemented this year. It's it's not been quite so controversial, but those kind of things. Um, um, I, I was surprised, but that that wasn't a red card, yeah. But yeah. luckily, yeah, we didn't. Because we won the game, it doesn't matter so much. But of course, had, had we drawn or lost that game, then it would right. be a really big issue. Completely, exactly. And then the, the, I mean, the save, the Ramsdale save. 
I just want to say one thing, funny thing about the the um, aftermath of the because so Schmeichel, Peter Schmeichel tweeted, as everyone banged on about, best save I've seen for years by Ramsdale, uh, uh, applauding emoji, right? Then, now Jason Cundy isn't one of you. I keep asking whether every pundit known to man is is is, uh, is connected to you in some way. No, no you're going to slay Jason Cundy, crack Jason, I'm going to. Jason Cundy. Talk sport. I'm going I'm to use the word bellend. I won't call him a twat, but I use the word bellend. Um, a, a slightly milder. But he tweeted in response that what Schmeichel meant was, first of all, he said everyone's gone way over the top about the save. It wasn't that great at all. So that's the first thing he said. And then he said, he said that people have misinterpreted what Schmeichel said. And what he was saying was, that's the best save he's seen Ramsdale make in his career as Ramsdale for years. As if, well, Michael, wait a minute. <laughs> it, well, don't tell me Schmeichel's agreed with that. I don't believe that's what Schmeichel's no, saying, but, the, but he is, he's left it ambi- ambiguous, well, you have to say. It's a badly written tweet. We, 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 we agree with on that. But the idea that Peter Schmeichel has been following Ramsdale so closely and would, beyond that, take to Twitter to analyse his saves of Ramsdale and go, that is the best save Ramsdale's made in for years. It's fucking yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. It is. It's almost as if he's been thinking, oh, this guy doesn't seem to be saving very well at the moment. I'm just going to make a yeah. tot up his saves. Right. Yeah, but it was slightly ambiguous. So it's one of those stupid things that you could then take one side and take the other and argue till you're blue in the face and there's, and you're never going to be, you know, yeah, it, it's it's a little bit of a... <laughs> Did Michael clarify? Or no, has it been left I, I don't, the, other, the, the idea that she's not going to clarify in response to fuck Jason fucking Cundit, is it? I mean, you know, with all due respect. Well, not... he might have just cleared up the, the matter. And, but uh... I think everyone, for, to, 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 you know you're a, right, you, when, when do you know that you're a deliberately provocative bellend on talk sport is when you come up with that kind of reasoning and you then, you know, that you then get bombarded with Arsenal fans complaining to you, calling you a bellend, and then you complain that you're being set upon. Well, you know, you're being a deliberately provocative bullshit artist aren't you when you claim that is what you well, really think Schmeichel meant is you Jason, really think Jason Cundy might you know come back and uh, <laughs> and want to talk about this with you on Saturday if Peter Schmeichel puts out a tweet going <laughs> best save for years by De Gea you know he could just he could just go every week best save, best save by a different goalkeeper just keep it very yeah, confusing yeah, I mean I, I'd, I'd love it if he did I'd love it if he did he, I was I mean, that, wondering go on well he if if Ramsdale had moved quicker, yeah, um, Joey, because because actually, it almost I don't know if he just can't see it or the anger of the wall. It was is a better save because he he hasn't quite gone immediately. Like the ball's actually already already travelling. But wow, I mean the angle we all had in the as the away fans in that corner, um, it it, it just looked. Question, and you can yeah, see you Vardy looks like he's already kind of. Yeah, jumping up to yeah. celebrate, and you can tell from the reaction of players how right. good it was. Right, and you know the look on their faces of like disbelief at how it had gone in. So, could you yeah, tell clear. there from your seat where you were how good it was? How, how that it straight was- away my WhatsApp group, I was like, was that as good as that looked? Like, seemed incredible. So, yeah, I, we were right, right on the corner. And it did look like he'd gone sort of slightly to behind him, which of course evokes memories of, of sort of Seaman against Pesca Salido in that 2003 FA Cup semi-final. So the fact there was a bit of of, of that um, going to it really um, 
did make me uh, did make me think it was brilliant. What was lovely as well at the end, and I think a little bit deliberately, if I'm if I'm honest, all the players slowly came over, clapped the away fans. I mean, there's nothing to hide. There's no shame. Come and take in the applause and the gratitude of the away fans. I felt like Ramsdale was almost hanging back so he could be last, like going well out his way to go and have a chat with Leicester players just so that he could get all the applause. Fair enough. But like he was absolutely milking it and like going really slowly over. And then there was a very sweet moment where, of course, there were people in the crowd with their signs going, I want your shirt. But he found a little Arsenal, well, not a little fan, a child, who was wearing an Arsenal goalkeeper top and went and gave him his goalkeeper top. But... 100% 100% he was hanging around to be last because he was the one nearest to the away fans when the final whistle went. I've never seen a player so deliberately try and take in the uh, and milk the applause. But fair play. Good good to him. And he is becoming very, very popular. The the um, I think the slightly serious, I don't use the word serious, I mean, the, the really the impactful element of that save, Jim, for me is, and he made a brilliant save against Spurs, didn't he, as, as well. Um, not 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 quite as amazing as this one, but what I feel like those saves like that do for a goalkeeper, they really gives them confidence, doesn't it? I mean, I think I think it, and I think he he had he has everything. I think his distribution is amazing. Ian Wright pointed out some of his amazing passes that he made in the first half. I know he had a couple of dodgy ones in the second half, but he's trying to do stuff that is bold and daring, and in terms of his passes out to from goal to midfield. Um, often, but I just think in general that that save was was. An enormous boost it must be an enormous boost to an already clearly confident young man. But I think I think that is could be the making of him. Do you know what I mean? In many ways, it's that kind of moment in someone's career, you know, that oh, elevates yeah, that, them. I think people will be talking about that in the same way. Um, I'm, no, I wouldn't want to compare the two, but certainly they'll be, they'll be talking about it for years because it was that good and it really was outstanding. And why not milk it? You know, and, and all that thing about Josh about him hanging back. Why the hell not? I mean, ultimately, he's he's a brilliant PR. Uh, brilliant, you know, he's really got that kind of um, uh, symbiotic relationship with the Arsenal fans, which is fantastic to see. So, um, as well as being great for him to be able to make that kind of save and milk it, and and for his confidence, you know, it's it's um, he's like you say, he's what because I like Burnt Leno. I'm slightly veering off the topic here, but I like Burnt Leno. But you can see that with his distribution and his relationship and his sort of just infectious energy, you can see why he's come into the team and has now kind of claimed that spot for his own. But um, yeah, those kind of saves you don't forget. And I, you know, I, I milk it, milk it, mate. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think right. He was a little bit generous on match for day when he was talking about his, his passing, because there are a few ropey ones in amongst some quite good passing. And um, yeah, I mean, it's encouraging to, to see, but you can't help but think eventually it will, you know, it will get you into into trouble at some point. But the way he was picking up, particularly there was one to Lacazette, and that also is what you get with Lacazette in the in the team. He is the one that can receive a ball like that and uh, bring others into play and and offer a threat. So, yeah, I mean, everything was was really lovely. Leicester very convenient even to get home from. You know, on the on the train very quick into <laughs> know. St Pancras. The the trains were were perfectly. Um, you know the the weather the weather the weather held the weather. up. It was just great to be oh, with lovely. friends at away games again. And you did know. you before you bang on too much more about the weather and the and the trains, which is all great. yeah. Don't get me wrong. I like sure. I like I like a good uh, 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 you know me an ad- admin update. I mean you know in fact I see that as admin. But before we abandoned, did you ever think that they did 
we did let them come on to us, or they did come on to us a lot more in the second half. In fact, do you know, I don't know if either of you have looked at the stats. Did you study the stats much about this game, Jim? Uh, not hugely, no. It's interesting. So, let, uh, you, Josh, did you have a look? Well, when, when you say study, I mean, what do you mean? I, I sort of no, I remember so on, what, the, what on the way you, home, I was looking at the overall match stats, I think. Right, that's yeah. what I mean. That's what I mean. So, so, like, so possession-wise, I know that we were, we were way down. We were in the mid-30s, right? Yeah, oh, damn, I was going to get Jim to guess. It would have been high. Oh, sorry. No, I'm aware, but I think that must be but, heavily weighted on the second right. half. But all I'm saying is it's quite surprising, I think, when you come away from that game. Uh, with yeah, they were they had sixty five percent possession to our thirty five percent. They had sixteen shots, eight on target. We had nine and five on target. You know, it was inter- interesting, and they had twice as many passes as us, pretty much. I mean, they did we they did dominate the second half, even though I didn't feel yeah. that way really to watch it for me. But main, main, I guess I don't know. I, I didn't. I, uh, I thought we played really well without the ball, and we defended really well. You know, our, our block, as, they, as the kids call it now, was very effective. But Jim, did you did you feel at any at any point kind of worried that we were going to throw it all away and they were going to come back? Yeah, definitely. I don't think we've re, we we haven't quite mastered playing, you know, controlling the game for ninety minutes yet. And and um, and at one point, it did feel like like you said yourself that you know, if if one goal went in, then I think it's it's it could easily have gone on to an. To, to to because I still think we're a work in progress. And the other thing is that whole psychological thing of going two 0 up so early, fifteen minutes, is do you stick or do you twist? And and I think to uh, I think we were so front footed to that point, and then we definitely didn't quite know whether to keep pushing for a third or whether to sit back a bit. And I don't think that helped us either. But um um but yeah, you've got, you've got to credit the defence and the way we control it as well. But I I definitely was worried at one point, no doubt about it. Mm. But I think, I think, yeah, I, I, same. I was as well. I had absolute visions of them coming back from two down. But, but I think you come away with it thinking, well, we defended really well, and you know that, was, that that that's a really important side to the whole to, to football when we're doing, you know, we're doing well at that as well. So I, I kind of come away with thinking, well, it's very rare that any team, and you, Josh, your example of Man City at the weekend is 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 pertinent. It's very rare that even the best teams. You know, apart from maybe Liverpool right now, even Chelsea don't dominate the whole whole games for ninety minutes. There's periods where people have chances against Chelsea, so I think there's reasons to be extremely positive. I guess we should move yeah. on to future games. Well, we, um, yeah, we should. First, it was just I think a word, boy, just to raise a quick word. Yes, that we got Sunderland in the quarterfinal. Yes. I mean, yes. that is the draw we'd have picked, and that was a booster ahead of ahead of kickoff. So, wow. I mean, uh, I mean, it's the one tournament that. You know, always eluded Wenger in that horrible sem- uh, final against Birmingham that was just the most calamitous um, ending. And the fact that Man City aren't going to be lying in wait in a way that they have been and we got smashed when we had the final against them a few years ago. I mean, it's quite exciting to feel like Sunderland at home to then get a two-legged semi-final. You know, it could be a could be a trip to Wembley in the in uh you know just a few months time which i'm which i'd be excited for so so that was that was as good as it could have been really draw wise yeah definitely i think just I think, an observation no, boy. No, no, you don't I have agree. to talk any further on it uh, well i think we're gonna win it i think we'll win the carabao yeah i do i do think oh wow yeah well i yeah i assume we'll be so I'm a, but look, i mean spurs chelsea you know you know leicester there's, there's, there's i mean a lot of the teams doing well in the premier league are still in with the exception of of City, aren't they? So we'll we'll see what comes from that. Are you going on? Tough gig, isn't it? Still a tough gig, that one. It is, yeah, yeah, it's a tough gig. Yeah. But the well, you, got... you you take where we are and the and the route we've had and another home game for the club, considering that we 
you know, no European football. I think, you know, they'll be absolutely delighted to have another home cup draw, won't they? And What's interesting the crowd well, against Leeds was impressive, wasn't it? 58,000 yeah. against Leeds, yeah. amazing. And it was also quite a strong team, which again, you know, given given we don't have a lot of, I suppose, spare games and things like the Europa League or Europa Conference League, then you kind of think, you know, you'd have been, he'd been slightly forgiven to have played an even younger side than he did, but, or a less experienced side maybe, but, you know, I think he want. I think he really wants to keep the momentum going and winning. You know, and and um, every win counts, doesn't it? So I think it'll be the same against Sunderland. I can't imagine it'll be more than a couple of sprinklings of of, of younger players. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think I, I think that team selection for the, in, in against Leeds was really clever and smart, and it, it was just the right mix. I think that was just the right balance between the players that need some minutes. You know, the the Ketias and etc. And the one and having players that are clearly. I mean, he, he was with throw play, didn't he? You know, like, yeah. so I think he, he just, he knows that he has to have some of the people who you can rely on to be absolutely phenomenal most week in, week out. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm excited about, about the Carabao Cup. <laughs> and and yeah. it's, rare that you, it's rare that you get to say that. Well, you know, I think, you know, it shows a different sort of season we're having. I think it's, and, uh, I think it's City going out. Credit to West Ham. Sure. City going out. That's so the game changer. a favour. I mean, that had become a boring, you know, the, uh, to have a cup so dominated by one team has had become, yeah. frankly, yeah. Boy, um, you, you go on Sunday to Watford? Yes, to Watford yes, game? absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah of course. Good. Um, I mean, I mean, Watford have had some, had a, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be... Well, a strange old start to uh, Ranieri's range. Um, conceding five in the first, scoring five up at Everton, losing against Southampton. So, yeah, fairly mixed bag um, for them. Uh, no Troy Deeney these days to be the, the pantomime villain on his uh, on his trip to, to Arsenal. But just with Liverpool to come, the game after, you just, yeah, you really hope that, um, you know, Arsenal can, can hit that 20-point mark before they go to an international break. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, what, what are you expecting here, Jim? I, I'd expect to win for this one. I, I, I think... Um, We've had a bit iffy. Our home form's been a bit iffy for, but but um, you know, like the Palace game was poor, um, but the Villa game was hugely, um, you know, hugely important. And then of course we could follow it up. I, I think I think we'll carry that form through and, and and win it. And I'm not normally hugely confident, but at the moment I like what's happening, and and I think we'll uh, I think we'll win that game. Yeah, I do hope so. I mean, they've scored as many goals as us, haven't they? Haven't they, boys? 12 goals for what? For this year, 12, 12 goals for Arsenal. It is weird. Uh, Finally, you should mention that because I was going to mention how weird it is that we're sixth in the league and we're on minus one goal difference. Yeah. I mean, that is yeah. that is slightly bizarre. Um, what's your score prediction there specifically, Jim? As you know, on this podcast, we do yeah. like to get, nail you down to a specific score. Well, I'm not very good at these things. I, I use. I don't know if you guys ever use. There's an app called um, Super Brew, which is basically a predictor app. No, hold on, Super Brew, Super Brew, yeah, uh, uh, Super B R U, and you can just rather than the kind of Championship Manager type ones where you actually have to pick the pick the team, you just pick yeah. the score. And I'm I've, I've had an absolutely shocking season. I'm getting everything wrong. So um, so I'm going to get this one wrong by saying uh, two 0 Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 3-0 Josh uh, just 2-0 for me I'll, I'll go with uh, with Jim um, on this so uh, yeah fingers 
fingers crossed. I mean, and we, you know, if results go our way, hopefully we'll, you know, well, obviously United and City playing each other means that there, you know, there's going to be some drop points, you know, around us in the table. So mm. hopefully it may even look a, a little bit better than it does at the moment, which is, uh, yeah, fairly pleasant, uh, pleasant reading at the moment, the table. We'll have to work out when to record next week's pod because obviously Monday is, it's Arsene Wenger week. Monday, the... Uh... The impersonal. Maybe we'll event. go Sunday night or something, boy. Yeah, maybe, maybe. After the game. Exciting times. Thank you so much, Jim. East Lower as ever. No worries. No need, for having me. No need to write your uh, blog this week because you've said everything. It's that ship sailed, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. You've summed, we've summed it up. <laughs> uh, thanks, Josh. And see you at the. Uh, see you with Arsene Wenger. Yes. See you there. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.